Hello, and welcome once again to 5 Minutes with Marky. It's my weekly conversation with a mover and shaker from the Colorado LGBT community, somebody who's making a difference, someone who's helping define who our community is. Today, it's part two of my conversation with Corky. So imagine it's the year 1962, Denver, Colorado, a young 18-year-old student from UNC who's studying for his teaching certificate, is home in Denver, and he's going out in search of a gay bar. Everything was down in alleys. Right across the Paramount Theater is the, what's it called? Um, uh, Pavilions. Yeah, the pavilion. Right there, there was an alley, and there was a bar down that down that street. Why, why were the bars in alleys? Because it was so quiet. You know, in the '60s, they they didn't even want to acknowledge that we even existed. We so were, the bars did, did the bars have to be in kind of incognito locations? Oh, so much so. So I would have to get and go down that alley, and at that time, 16th Street and 15th Street was where everyone cruised on their cars up and down the street. Because it wasn't a mall yet. No. So I would have to get to that corner and go so fast to the alley so that my brother or any of my friends wouldn't happen to be cruising by and see me. You didn't want to be seen going into the bar. Exactly. Or going into an alley. What was, tell me about that bar in that alley. What was the name of that bar? I, I think it was called the back door. I'm not really sure. Because the back door? Yeah, it was. Okay. I think the front part was a straight bar. And in the alley, there was another little bar that was gay. <laughs> the back door. So I would stand out in the alley until somebody would say, come on in, baby. What was it like inside the back door, the it, bar? It wasn't really that crowded. And it was, it was nice. It was not, you know, it wasn't furnished nice at all. Basically, it was sort of a hole in the wall. But we all felt comfortable when we could go there. So you could go in there and you could, you could, you could basically be gay in this place. Exactly. Then there was one right at 16th, the court place called the called the court jester. There's a high rise right there now. Right where there's the Sheraton there. Yeah, right across the street from the Sheraton. The court jester. What was that place like? It was where all the all the gays went that were professional and preppy type. And then on Sundays, all the bars closed at. at uh, 8 o'clock. Wait a minute, the bars closed at 8 o'clock on Sunday? Why? Yes. That was just the law in, the, in Denver. So there was a bar on Larimer Street, when Larimer then was just a skid row. But there was a bar there that they could serve beer. So that was the place we always went on Sunday night. But how did, how did people find out where to go to these places? Was it just word of mouth? How, how would, if you were gay in Denver in the 60s, how would you find out about this bar and go to it? You know, we all had to just play so straight all during the week. But then on the weekend, we would get we would meet at the bars and then you could feel comfortable and people would spread the word. And then Cheeseman Park was a great hangout for us. You once told me an interesting story about what happens after the bars close. Tell me about what you and your friends would do after the bar would close. We would get in our cars and people don't realize where we did our cruising, you know, that was long before the internet or any of that. So we'd go cruising around and around the Capitol building and go out on Lincoln Street and park, watch the cars go by you. If the guy looked cute, then you'd follow him a few blocks. You'd stop, want to get in the other one's car, decide where to go. And Cheeseman was pretty notorious. Did, did you do that? Did you just get in a car and drive? Oh, of course, a lot. I think it'd be surprising for most people to know that the, the, the capital, people cruise around the capital. Yeah, right. And you could go around and around and around and then out on Lincoln Street. 
tell me about the drag shows in the 60s. Do you remember any of the performers there? Yeah, some of them were very, very Who, who were they? One was named Mr. George, and then another one was Candace Bill. That was, they were pretty good. The fun thing people don't know is there was also a bar in the late 60s called the Gilted Cage. And the only one still living, I think, is Scotty Carlisle, who was still in Denver. And, and they were on their shows, they were live singing. What were the performances like back then as opposed to now? Were they different? Not, not really. The ones at the front door and back door, they were still just pantomime. Other than that, the Gilded Cage, when then there, it was all live. It was illegal to do drag in the 60s. Oh, yeah. How did these bars get around that? What, how did they get around it? They couldn't leave in drag, and they had to have enough articles of men's clothing on. We had a party, uh, I don't even remember where, but it was on Colfax. And we had a Halloween party, and when it was over, the cops were waiting outside. We all had to dress back to our men clothes. You're kidding me. You're saying the police were waiting outside to make sure you're dressed like men. Exactly, right. That's true. Yeah. What year is that? Probably about 68, 69. That's, that's incredible yeah. to me. Uh, it's not that long know, ago. It was so scary back there, Marky, because if you were if you were found out to be gay, you could lose your job. I had a friend, a woman I knew in high school. We reconnected in college. So then, we after we graduated, we both started teaching, and we got a house together. Well, one of her lovers that broke up very, uh, really mad at, e at each other, and the lover threatened to call the schools, call our parents, and expose us as being gay. The next day, she and I went down to the courthouse and it was so easy and one day we got our license and got married. You married a woman? Yeah, just for just for protection. Her father was a, I was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, so they insisted that we would have a wedding reception. So we had it at the officers club at Lowry Air Force Base and when it was all over, she and all the girls got in one car and I got in a car with all the guys and we went to a gay bar. <laughs> Tell me her first name again. Her name was Janet. Corky, do you ever look at some of the, our young friends that are coming out to places like Tracks and X-Bar and Charlie's and, and do you ever just want to say to them, you don't know how good you have it right now? Oh, it's so true, they don't. They have no idea that, that, you know, how you had to play the game. You had to keep it so secret. In high school, when I was a senior in high school, I actually had to play the game and date the girls, have the girlfriend. I'd go out with my friends. As soon as they dropped me off the house, I'd go cruising at the Capitol. Is it just so incredible to you now that the, the gay people can live so much more freer and, and I never, easier? I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. Right when they really started to get to know us and found out that we have big hearts, we're there to help each other, we're there to help the neighbors, we keep our houses nice, that's when they really started to accept us. You've sort of laid out for me, Corky, how vastly the community has changed uh, the 60s until 2017, and it's like a, an amazing metamorphosis. One of the biggest changes happened in the early 70s when there was a big shuffling of people all around the country. People moved. What do you think caused that change in the early 70s? I think the hippies looking for new, newer pastures, looking for places to go. Let me ask you one final question, and thank you so much for this time. If you could write a letter to yourself, two paragraphs, I'm going to send a, a letter to a younger Corky who's 20 years old in the 60s. What would you tell that younger Corky? Be yourself, be confident, 
Even if you have to play a game and keep some aspects of your life hidden, go for it. But just be yourself and do the best you can. I think that's good advice for any of us. Corky, thanks for giving me five minutes. I love you. Oh, I love you. I'm so honored. Thank you, Marky. There you have it. Corky Blankenship. Thank you again, Corky. You know, it's not easy to condense a conversation with Corky down into this format. But if you know Corky, you know, you could really talk to him for like an hour and a half. But I hope that offers a little snapshot into what gay Denver was like in the 60s and 70s. It must have been a very difficult time to sort of live in in an authentic way. Please subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating. That helps other people find the podcast. Got some really awesome guests coming up in the next few weeks. I'm going to talk to Onyx. She is one of the organizers of Denver Dyke March, and she's done uh, so many other awesome, cool things from a charity standpoint. Can't wait for you to hear that. Going to be talking with VJ Aaron from X-Bar. Amazing DJ, and he's done some really revolutionary things you'll get to hear about there. And I've got a ton of other fascinating people from our community that I'm trying to chase down right now. A couple of program notes. Come look for me, DJ Markey, first Friday. Yeah, Friday, June 3rd, monthly women's party at Trax. Then I will see you again on second Saturday, June 10th for Rainbow Glitter Ball. Yeah, it's Pride Month already. So many amazing things coming to Trax over Pride. Chad Michaels. Alex Newell of Glee, Taylor Dane, Leanne Rimes. I'll get all the details at tracksdenver.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a good week. Oh.